Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Center for Nursing Inquiry podcast. I'm Nadine Rosenblum, one of the Center for Nursing Inquiry Nursing Inquiry Coordinators. I have with me today Maddie Whalen, our Evidence-Based Practice Coordinator, and we're talking today about the Johns Hopkins Evidence-Based Practice for Nurses and Healthcare Professionals Model and Guidelines, 4th edition, which is a new edition um, that just came out published in 2022. So we talked about the appendix that we're going to discuss today, the Research Evidence Appraisal Tool, also known as Appendix E, in a previous podcast. But since there is a new edition of the book out, we wanted to um, circle back to Maddie again and get an update about the new the new version. So Maddie, tell us what is um, the Research Evidence Appraisal Tool, Appendix E, and when would you use it? Um, hi, Nadine. Hi. <laughs> the Research Evidence Appraisal Tool is the worksheet that we use when we have a level three, two, or one article, meaning that it's a research article. And it um, walks us through a series of questions and prompts to help us figure out which level it falls in in the research um, portion of the hierarchy as well as the quality of that article. Is it um, poor quality, good quality, or high quality, which is going to eventually help us determine whether or not it should influence our decision to change practice. And part of determining that came from using the Appendix D tool, your level of evidence tool, right? Right. So when we were looking at Appendix D as our cheat sheet, um, we probably were able to sort of giving an overall look at that make an educated guess about whether we should be using our Appendix E, our research evidence appraisal tool, or the Appendix F, which is our non-research appraisal tool. Okay. So, once, so once we figured that out, we will go to the tool and start to look at the questions, and the, which will also help us figure out maybe if we made the right or the wrong decision in picking that tool to start off with. That's good to know. Using the tools together, part of the, part of the plan, right? Yes, always have to have good, good to have both on hand because you don't know where you might end up. Okay, great. So um, what's important to know about the research evidence appraisal tool here? So one of the most important things, and unfortunately it's something that people miss, but even though it's on the very top of the page, I think it maybe blends in a little bit, is the most important question of all, uh, which is, does this evidence answer the EVP question? If the answer is yes, you should check the box yes, and you can continue your appraisal. However, if the answer is no, you don't need to do anything else. You don't have to continue reading the article. You don't need to record anything about it. You don't need to appraise it or summarize it. It does not answer your question and, therefore, is not helpful to your group for moving forward. And so you'll want to probably mark it off on however your group has decided to track the articles as you go through them. It's not applicable to your EVP question, but you don't need to do any more work. You can save yourself some time, consider it um, that it outside the scope of your, of your problem, and move on to your next article. It's good to know. Uh, just go ahead and make that decision. Yes, no, continue or not continue. So if the answer is yes, then what do we do? So on the very top of the first page, you're going to put in sort of some basic information about the article. You're writing um, the name of it, who wrote it. Um, the name is important because occasionally people, if you're exploring a certain topic, certain people have sort of a area of expertise. And so they might have multiple articles, even from the same year, about that topic that you're looking at. So having at least part of the title is important. And then the, after you record that, 
um, you're actually going to come back to the first page because this is where you're going to record the level and the quality of the evidence as well as the findings that answer your EVP question. However, those are much easier to fill in once you've really read the article carefully. On the previous tool, this that was sort of nested under each section, depending on which level of evidence you had. But for this uh, go around, we decided to just include it on the first page so that you have all of the pertinent information for every article easily accessible on that first page so you don't necessarily have to carry out a whole packet and then um, flip through trying to find the relevant information. That seems like a really helpful item right there. So um, what's next? So once you've filled in the basic information and you've decided that you are going to come back to fill in the other uh, prompts, the findings to answer the EVP question, you are going to just try and decide if your article is a quantitative study, a qualitative study, or a mixture of both. That's on the very first page of the tool, and it's going to send you to a separate section of the tool to be able to continue making determinations about what level of evidence you have. So it's really important to pay a lot of attention to the skip patterns. This tool is pretty long. I think people feel a little bit um, overwhelmed when they look at it. I think it's about 10 pages. However, if you have filled out every page, you have probably done something incorrectly. There are a lot of skip patterns in there that are going to tell you to jump forward into the tool to the part that is pertinent or replicable to your article. So make sure that you're following those skip patterns. In a lot of cases, you're really only going to be filling out that first page and maybe one other page. So be really careful to save yourself some time and read those skip patterns carefully. Yes, I can see this um, in the article appraisal workflow section uh, under quantitative, qualitative, or mixed methods. It gives you um, at the bottom of each of those paragraphs like where to go next. And if you're not paying attention to those, like like you said, it looks like you could spend a lot of time filling out pieces that won't make any sense for what you've decided. For sure. Okay, so what's next? Once we've decided which type of research it is, what happens next? So then we're going to jump down into the section that applies to the type of research we have, quantitative, qualitative, or mixed method. And um, in the quantitative section, we actually have a decision tree. If you remember from the previous tool, it was sort of a series of yes or no questions, and then depending on which questions you said yes to, it would tell you if you had a level one, two, or three. However, um, we know that nurses um, are really familiar with working with decision trees sort of in all parts of clinical care, so we thought it might be a good transition to make this a decision tree versus just trying to check off some yes or no questions. And so it's going to ask you three questions um, about the manipulation of an independent variable, if there's a control group, and then if there was randomization of that control group, if there was one. And depending on your answers to those questions, it's going to let you know if you have a level one article, which is a randomized control trial, a level two article, which would be a quasi-experimental, and then a level three article, which is non-experimental, all of which are still research evidence. It's just different levels within that designation. Okay, that's great. And now I see that there's another section to fill out in this part. Yes, so exactly. After you figured out what level you have, it's going to take you through a series of yes or no questions um, to help determine the quality. So when we're using these tools, the overall goal of the tool is to determine the strength of an article. And the strength is the combination of the level plus the quality to get the overall strength. So once we figured out the level, then we have to move on to determining how well not only the study or the project was executed, but how well they reported it to us. So they might have done an amazing research study, 
But in reading it, if you can't tell what they did, if it's not replicable, if you are unclear about their data collection, maybe their data analysis, does it really matter that they did a great job? Because you're not able to ascertain that they did a good job because the reporting of it is so poor. So these questions look at not only how they completed their project, but how well they were able to write it up so that you are actually able to feel confident in what they did and their conclusions. So it's going to ask you these yes or no questions, and there's no sort of magic number of yes or no to fall into the high quality, good quality, or poor quality, but rather it helps you sort of think through the things that you would expect for that level of evidence or that type of evidence, and then helps you have a conversation with the rest of the team to determine did they meet the expectations, how well did they meet them, and so how, how do we want to designate this article. All right, and I can see here that at the bottom of that section, as it is with each of the sections for each type of um, evidence, that there's an A, B, C kind of guide for A for high quality, B for good quality, and C for low quality. So it's not exactly telling you, you know, how many yeses equals good quality, how many noes equal low quality. It's just giving you some guidance so that you can discuss with your team and make a decision. Exactly. And each of them has a series of statements after it. So it's going to say, for example, for our high quality, is it consistent, generalizable, sufficient sample size, et cetera. And so those are, if you can say yes to most of those, you're most likely high quality. If you're not able to meet a lot of those um, phrases or you're not able to fulfill them, then maybe you want to keep moving down into the good quality or the low quality. What really ends up mattering in the end is the low quality, because low quality articles are considered not um, rigorous enough to be able to be included in our evidence summary and synthesis and eventual recommendations. And so we actually leave them out of subsequent steps of the EVP process. So deciding between high and good quality um, helps a little bit um, in that granularity. But really what we're trying to do is weed out our low quality articles. Okay, that's good to know. Um, is there what else is important to know about this tool? So I know that a lot of people end up doing these tools um, either with a on a project team, maybe they're downloading the forms from our website or from the um, Institute for John Hopkins Nursing website, um, and they don't have a ton of information about sort of what's to be expected from the different types of um, research that you might be looking at. However, if you do have the EVP book. There is a full chapter devoted to research articles, and it helps you really think through um, the different components of a high-quality research study, as well as different types of research if you're trying to figure out where, what level it might fall in. And then we actually have some text call-out boxes in both the chapter for research evidence as well as non-research evidence to address some of the common questions that people have. Like, for example, what's the difference between a systematic review and a literature review? How do we tell the difference between research and quality improvement? Things like that. So the book, if you have access to it, can be a really helpful resource, especially when you're trying to figure out where it might fall, where your evidence might fall in the level one, two, or three hierarchy, and then maybe even pushing down into four or five if it becomes non-research evidence. Okay, that's good to know. Um, hopefully you all have the book handy, and if you don't, you can reach out to us and we can help you get one. Yeah. What else do we need to know? Anything about this? research evidence appraisal tool? Um, the last thing I'll say is that we always, always say that EVPs should be done in teams. Um, it is very common for two different people to read the same article and come up with two different answers about the level and the quality. Um, maybe you and I were actually just talking about an article and had a great conversation about, I thought it was maybe a level uh, three, and I think you said it was a level five, 
and you were able to point some stuff out to me that I hadn't noticed in my first go around. And of course, it made sense it was a level five. But it's really easy to, when you're reading it yourself, to not be able to pick up on all the nuances. Um, and so having that conversation is really important. Again, in healthcare, we do so little by ourselves. And so having the conversation with your teammates, whether it's your clinical team or your EVP team, helps us have a much better understanding of what we're looking at and makes much more, makes much more informed decisions. As one of my good friends says very often, teamwork makes the dream work. So keep that team going, right? Okay, good. Um, all right. So if there is anything else about, okay, we'll wrap up discussion about the research evidence appraisal tool, also known as Appendix E, and we will talk to you again next time. Please know, always, you can reach out to the Center for Nursing Inquiry, the Hopkins intranet, hopkinsmedicine.org slash nursing slash center nursing inquiry. The, you can Google us on the internet, or you can email us at nursinginquiry at jhmi.edu. And we'll talk to you again next time. Thanks, Maddie. Thank you.